Blessed to be here this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 14. We're going to start off reading at verse 22. Hi, Patricia. It's good to see you back there in the back. Still waiting on your phone call. Um, (laughs) Matthew, chapter 14. Verse 22, we are going to be discussing the story of whenever Peter walked on the water. Now, let me preface this. If there's anybody online or in the house this morning that thinks I'm talking directly to you, I am. So don't leave the service saying the pastor was picking on me this morning. It was only me. Uh, I am picking on you, and I'm picking on your neighbor, too. Because the Lord told me to deliver this message this morning. Amen. Y'all go ahead and stand up for the reading of the word just to make sure you're still awake. and To honor the word of God. Amen. Uh, It says right here, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when the evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, He was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Last verse. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, You are the Son of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to open your word and to look into it and see eternity. Lord, we can look into your word and see everything that we need to see to see you. We ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. The title of my message this morning is Dance with the One Who Brung You. Dance with the one who brung you. How many of you ever heard that saying before? I'd heard it before. I never really put the pieces together, but it was coined by a football coach at the University of Texas in the 1970s who was going to a playoff game and was being interviewed. And they said, Coach, who are you going to start in the playoffs? And the coach replied by saying, I'm going to dance with the ones who brung us. In other words, I'm going to play the ones who contributed to us being here 
in the first place. I'm not going to turn my back on the ones that brought us here just because now that we're successful. I'm going to stick with what's worked. I'm not going to switch it up. It's a, it's a, it's a concept and an aspect of, of loyalty and commitment and dedication. And, and, and it's, a, it's, a thing that, it's a thing that binds, that was, that was binding them together. It was, it was the coach standing up for his people that, were, that put in the work and were doing the, the hard work. And so, and so whenever we look at the story of Peter walking on the water, uh, he didn't absolutely have this uh, 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 mind frame. He didn't have this mindset. And so uh, Peter, when he got out on the water, uh, first thing he did was he forgot why or he forgot how he got out on the water. Uh, Peter got out on the water because Jesus spoke to him. Whenever he was on the boat and he saw what he thought was a ghost, he said, Jesus, if it's you, what did he say? Say the word and I'll come. So when he got out of the boat, he wasn't walking on water. He was walking on a word. He wasn't walking on water. He was walking on a word. It's the word of God that sustained him. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so whenever we hear the word of God, it ignites faith. And faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things hoped for. Faith is tangible. It's something that you can grab a hold of. And so whenever Peter was walking on the water, he wasn't walking on the water. He was walking on something substantial. It was the word made flesh. It was, it was the manifest word of God. It was, it, was, it was God speaking to him, giving him the capacity and the ability to do the thing that was that was physically impossible. And today it's it's important for us to recognize that if we're going to walk with God, we got to have a word. The Bible says that we're saved by faith through grace, that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. But how does that come? It comes by hearing. It comes by hearing of the gospel. It comes by hearing of the word of God that ignites faith in us and produces a born-again experience. It's the faith that, that, that gives us the, the, the ability to do the things that God has called us to do. And so whenever we're walking with God and whenever we're living the Christian life that God has called us to live, we must have a word. Amen? The Bible says, be diligent to know your calling and your election. Be diligent to know your calling and your election. I'm going next weekend to do a, a, a little memorial service for the family of David Patterson, uh, who was a mentor of mine, a guy that, that really poured a lot, of, uh, a lot into me and just impartation and all that. He was a, a campaign or crusade director for David Wilkerson uh, for years. Uh, he led Mario Murillo to the Lord. Uh, just, a, just a very uh, anointed man of God. Uh, I'm going to do a deal for him. He died several years back, but his family wants to do a memorial service for him uh, this this weekend. And so we're going to go do that. But David Patterson sat down with me one day uh, and he looked me in the eye and he said, he said, Lonnie, do you know for a fact that you're supposed to be with your dad serving there at Care Center Ministries? And I remember that day like it was yesterday because he was speaking into my soul. He was speaking into my spirit and he was challenging me and he almost had a question behind it. And, and, and I remember I kind of had to 
had to do a little little shake there, and and I looked at him, and I, I said I said you know what? Yes, I do. I know for a fact. I don't have any wavering. I don't have any questioning because what happened when he asked me that question is I had to go in and I had to ask the question of myself. And what the answer was when I asked the question, what did God say? It wasn't how I felt. It wasn't what was going on with me. It wasn't what was happening. And it was, it was what did God say? And so the thing that kept me in the time of questioning was what would God say? Or what did God say? And it's important for us to have a word from God that we move on and to constantly refer back to that word and to have that word inside of us because whenever the storms come whenever the trials come whenever it gets hard and it becomes complicated we've got to have something to refer back to other than well so and so was doing it so I did it too other than well it it seemed like a good idea so I stepped out on it. it it didn't seem like a good idea for Peter to get out of that boat It was definitely 100% a bad idea, except for the fact that Jesus said, step out of the boat. He said, if you bid me come, I'll come. And so he came out of the boat, and he did the impossible. It's important for us today to know what God said. He says, be diligent to know your election. Be diligent. Be, be, Be proactive. Spend time working at it. When you're in prayer in the morning, don't just, don't just sit and say, say, dear Lord Jesus, bless my day, bless my family, make every trouble go away in Jesus' name, amen. No, no, search your heart. Pull that, pull that word out. Pull that, that promise out. Pull that, that thing out and lay it before the Lord. And the fact of the matter is that in the book of Jeremiah, it says that he will watch over his word to perform it. So it's not about you doing what, He's called you to do. It's about you reminding him of his word and he will watch over it. The pressure's not on you to perform it. The pressure's on him to perform it. He will watch over his word to perform it. But it's important for us to do our part in bringing that word out, laying it before the Lord and and kind of kind of lay it out and iron it out and look at it and and meditate on it and pray on it and and then and then put it back in there and say, "Okay, this is what I'm holding on to today." Then whenever you lose your job, whenever you get sick, when all the people that were your friends and the people that were coming around you all of a sudden start falling off and people start hating on you and disagreeing with you and and not liking you and people are talking bad about you and you get sick and your kids are sick and you lost your job and you got all these other problems going on, you you don't have anything to hold on to except for that one word. It's that word that you hold on to. Some of you today are getting ready to go into a hard time in your life. Some of you are already in a hard time in your life. And the only thing that's going to sustain you is the word. Just like whenever Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Bible says that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And while he was there, he was tempted by everything imaginable. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. People, you're either already in it or getting ready to go into a wilderness season where you're going to be tempted of the devil. And if you don't have something to hold on to, you're going to fall. 
If you don't have something to grip you, something to hold you steadfast, it's like bread to your stomach. If you don't have something that's gonna, that's gonna, that's good, that you can, that you can latch onto, that's tangible. It's the word of God. It's physical. It's manifest. It's in you, and you can hold on to it for dear life. And no matter what comes at you, no matter what comes through you, no matter what happens around you, you can stand on the word of God. And so it's very, 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 very important. To understand how we got here in the first place. How did I get here in the first place? Let me tell you how I got here. I'm going to tell you how I got here. I, I, I thought the sky was closing and the ground was coming up. I thought I was being pressed between a vice. The Bible talks about how the sky becomes iron and the ground becomes, uh, I can't remember what it is, but it's, it's, it's like, it's like this, this, this vice is coming down and I felt like I was being squeezed in the middle like a Coke can. And then Jesus came into the middle of that and rescued me. He gave me life. He gave me hope. He, he relieved the pressure. He, he, he spoke to my spirit. And it was by His Word that I became alive. And today, I stand before you because His Word is alive in me today. Don't ever act without a Word. Thank you, Jesus. Don't get married without a word. And then test it with counsel. Yes. That's very, very good word right there. Don't get married without a word. Test it with counsel. Don't do anything. Don't make a financial decision without a word. Don't, make, don't join this church without a word. Because let me tell you something. I am the lead pastor and I'm going to make you mad. I'm going to do something, I'm going to say something, something's going to happen, and you're going to get mad at me. And if God didn't tell you to be here, you're going to go to another church and expect them to do what you couldn't get done here. Then you're going to be mad at them. And before you know it, you're just going to be a church hopper. And you're going to be removed from the call and the purpose of God in your life. And you're going to wonder why you're a Christian anyways. And then whenever this Antichrist thing sweeps across the nation like it is right now, you'll be one of them that's like, man, pfft. You'll join the movement. Because if you don't have any roots, and if you don't have any sustainability in you, something that can withstand some storms, then you'll be shifty and shaky. You got to have a word. You got to have a word from God. You got to have a word from God. If Peter hadn't had a word from God, he wouldn't have walked on water. I don't know how many times I've seen people try to live a supernatural life by, by works. By flesh. I don't know how many people I've seen try to go through the motions and try to try to put on a mask or try to be something that they know they want to be, but they can't because they're doing it by the by the flesh. We can only do it by a word. Gotta have a word from God. Gotta have a word from the Lord. Then once Peter got out there, he's out there in the water. And then what happens? He forgot who was keeping him on the water. I can't tell you how many people I've seen in my life come to the church, join the ministry, and I'm telling you when, they're, when I say they're on fire for Jesus, on fire for Jesus. Get plugged in, start getting discipled, start getting trained, start getting a little responsibility, start getting some ground underneath them, 
six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, they couldn't be trusted with two nickels. Now, all of a sudden, they're managing and running and leading and doing, you know, they're, they're, God is blessing them. And then all of a sudden, they say, you know what, Jesus, I really appreciate you getting me out here on this water. Uh, but this wind and these waves, it's real, you know, it's boisterous. So you hang tight right there. I'm going to deal with this. I got I to gotta, I gotta take my eyes off of Jesus who's sustaining me in this, and I got to worry about my family. Now I got to worry about my finances. Now I got to worry about my future. Now I got to worry about how I'm going to sustain what it is that I got. But they forget that it was Jesus who called them out in the first place. Not only was it that Jesus that called them out, but it was Jesus that was keeping them. And so we got to recognize that we're not standing on the water in and of ourselves. We're standing on the water because we're looking at Jesus. The Bible says that if, we, if we'll be in the old King James Version, the, the verse that says, if the eye be single, then the whole body be full of light. That's how it reads in the old King James Version. I didn't write the verse down, but you can look it up. If the, if the eye be single, then the whole body will be full of light. The Lord's been speaking to that to me over and over and over for the past couple of weeks. If the eye be, in other words, I don't have a bunch of things that I'm looking at. I'm not looking at my family. I'm not looking at my finances. I'm not looking at my future. I'm not looking at my 401K. I'm not looking at the government. I'm not looking at supply chain shortage. I'm not looking at the COVID vaccine or the COVID-19 or any of that stuff. I'm not looking at any of the things that are pulling at my attention. I'm looking at one thing. I'm looking at my, my eye is single-minded and focused on one thing and nothing else. And anything else that tries to come in and creep in and grab my attention, I consider it a besetting sin. And like the book of Hebrews says, I put away the besetting sins and I focus wholeheartedly, single-minded focus on one thing. It's Jesus who has not only called me out, but is sustaining me and is this focusing on Him and looking at Him that sustains you and keeps you whenever the world around you begins to go crazy. Somebody say amen. The thing that Peter was doing was not something that he could have done on his own. Being out there on the water was something he could only do because he was looking at Jesus. There's a life that God has called you to that you can only live if you look at Jesus. You start looking at other things, then you're going to get distracted. You start looking at other things, you're going to become double-minded. The Bible says you can't serve two masters. You can only serve one. You must, and then, and then it, I love the way Jesus does it. He draws some lines in the sand. He says, he says, look, not only can you not serve two masters, but you must love one and hate the other. You got to be wholeheartedly committed to one and you must despise the other. You can't have, you can't have a little bit of love, a little, yeah, I kind of like here and then I kind of like here. You got to be hot or cold, in or out. You cannot be lukewarm. The Bible says in the book of Revelations that if you're lukewarm, then he'll spew you out of your mouth. You've got to be wholeheartedly single-minded, single-focused on Jesus Christ and him alone. And if in fact you do that, you will find yourself living a supernatural life. You will find yourself being the person 
that God created and called you to be. You will find yourself not looking for reasons and purpose in your life. You'll find yourself living the life that God called you to live. Somebody say, Amen. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Can't accomplish anything. A double-minded man doesn't know if he's supposed to walk on the water and look at Jesus or if he's supposed to focus on the waves around him. A double-minded man doesn't know if he's supposed to go wholeheartedly after Jesus or try to please his family. A double-minded man doesn't know if he's supposed to go wholeheartedly after Jesus or build his his future and build a, 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 a kingdom of his own. The Bible says that if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these other things will be added unto you. And God is calling the people of God into a place where we're single-minded and focused on one thing and nothing else has the permission to grab at our attention. But let me tell you what's going to grab at your attention and what's going to cause you to be distracted. You can write this down, tattoo it on your forehead, and think about it all week long. You ready? comparison when you start listen hilltop church when you when you get on youtube and you start comparing hilltop church with gateway church or uh church of the lakes or church of the highlands or church of the living god or what you know the, the all the different churches we got in the, in the world today if you start comparing this church to any other church, then what you're going to do is you're going to forfeit your joy, you're going to forfeit your gratitude, you're going to forfeit your, complete, your, 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 your ability to be settled in where God has called you, and you'll, so you'll, be, you'll immediately become double-minded. Let me tell you how me and Kaylin could get a divorce real quick like. If I start looking around and be like, man, I could have married her. Man, what about that girl right there? I could have married her. How come my wife's not like her? Babe, the, this other girl, she cleans the house uh, at, at nighttime, and she does it like that, and she does this. How come you don't do that? Let me tell you, how many married people in here know that that would be the quickest way to get either a black eye or a divorce? Come on. I see you back there, Terry. <laughs> All that, all that comparison. Comparison is the thief of joy. If you start comparing yourself, your church, your life, your job, anything, you compare yourself. Listen, I hear people in the home all the time. They're doing good. They're, they're, they're rolling. They're, they're getting some, some grip. They got traction. God's moving. God's, I mean, they're full of praise. They're full of worship. They're, they're, they're on fire. It's like the person they were three days before they came and the person they are now is just different, just totally different. And then they start looking at guys around them. Man, that guy's been here six months. He ain't gone to phase two yet. That guy's been here how long, and he's already, he's still, start comparing. It, I see it all the time. It happens all the time. We start, listen, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of looking at the world around me and saying, man, if I could just have that or if I could just do that. That's what got the children of Israel in trouble. Comparison. They said, well, they, that nation has this, that, and the other. I want this, that, and the other. If they have it, then I should have it. And this is what creates a double mind. This is how you become double-minded. Nobody wakes up in the morning and is like, you know what? Things to do today. Change the tires on the car. Become double-minded. Nobody has that on their list. 
No, it's subtle. It creeps in. You start looking around you and you start comparing. Start thinking, man, that girl, her hair looks better than mine. Maybe I should dye my hair. I mean, take, it, take for instance, all the guys in Kaleo. They're like, they're like, Pastor Lonnie's bike is just so much faster than mine. <laughs> and it is. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Comparison. That's how, you, that's how you wake up with a double mind. Comparing. Amen? Can't be double-minded. Got to stay focused. Now, Peter was focused on his problems. He stopped focusing on Jesus. He started focusing on the problems. You know, the, 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 the bad thing about having a friend that you can commiserate with and, and share your feelings is that a lot of times the only thing that's going on in that friendship is co Miserating. The word co means with, to do it with. Like cooperate, that means I operate with. Cooperate means to operate with. So co-miserate, co means to do it with. And miserate, what's the root word of miserate? Misery. So I'm miserable. My friend's miserable. We co-miserate together. Guess what we're doing? We're being miserable together. And I'm just, I'm just expressing my feelings. I'm just talking about what's going on with me. That's what the Bible calls a fool vents all of his feelings. See, see the person with a broke-down car that steps outside of his door every day and shakes his head and says, man, that car ain't never going to get fixed, and then hops on the bus or rides a bike, or walks wherever they need to go, is never going to move forward in life as far as transportation goes. Can I get an agreement? But the individual that steps out of his car, out of his house and says, man, that car is broken. Hey, friend, do you recognize that I have a broken car? Yeah, I recognize you got a broken Hey, can you help me find a mechanic? Yeah, let's find a mechanic. Let's find a mechanic together. That's a friend. A friend is not, yeah, that car, man, it's broke. Yep, you go your way and I go my way. There's no fruit in that. There's no deliverance in that. There's no freedom in that. That's focusing on the problem and then generating the problem and creating an even bigger problem because we avoid solutions. Having somebody to discuss all your problems with is not a good thing. Having somebody to pray with to offer guidance and to help through your problems, to bring solutions to your problem, that's 100% a good thing. The Bible says, so, 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 so iron sharpens iron, so one man's countenance sharpens another, right? And so when I have problems and you have problems and we bring them together and we, we create some sparks, we don't create cotton balls and pillows, we create sparks and we sharpen one another, amen? And so we don't focus on the problems. We focus on how we're out here in the first place. Yeah, I got these problems, but I, my mind is focused on Jesus, who's the one that told me to get here in the first place. And then he forgot the last thing that, that Peter forgot. 
He forgot why he was out here. So let's look at this. He forgot how he got out there. He forgot what was keeping him out there. And he forgot why he was out there. I want you to put up that last verse right there. What was it? Verse um, 29, I think it was. No, it was verse uh, 33. Put up verse 33 for me right quick. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, before they got in the boat, they fed 5,000. They've already seen him work miracles. They already had an element of worship and praise for Jesus. They already had a reverence for him. They already recognized who he was. But it was in this time of Peter walking on the water and then falling because he took his eyes off of Jesus and then Jesus reaching down in the water to pull him up and showing him his kindness and his mercy, that their adoration and that their praise for Jesus expanded. And so a lot of times what happens in our lives is we hear a word from God, we step out of the boat, we get in the middle of it and we begin to get distracted, we begin to compare and get double-minded, we begin to, we begin to complain with our friends and commiserate and, and get in this unhealthy cycle, and before you know it, the joy of our salvation is gone. And it's just like, oh. Anybody ever walked in church on Sunday morning and just been like, oh. I watch you walk in here, so I'm going to turn this way and not look at you. Some people do. They're just carrying it, just in the middle of it. It's just, it's just man, it's just we've gotten off. And let me tell you something, what happens with the devil when that happens is the devil comes and starts doing this thing that Macarius does to his sister. Where he just pokes her and just peek, poke, 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 poke. The devil comes and starts pestering. Starts coming, starts pestering. See there, you idiot. You fool. You're a liar. You're such a fake. You're such of a, you said you were going to, and then I'll look at you. What an idiot. You said, and the, and the devil just comes and he just brings this barrage of, 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 of attacks. And he begins to, to just, just, just pound you upside the head and just bring this, this what the Bible calls condemnation. He, began, he, brings, he, he begins to condemn and accuse and blame and paint this picture that you can totally buy because it's based on facts. Yes, I did get out of the boat like an idiot. Why did I even do that? Yes, I did, you know, start looking at the wind and, and, and end up almost drowning. What an idiot. How stupid can I be? Think I can walk. I'm not Jesus. That's for him. That's not for me. And it happens. It, it happens. Start getting beat up. Start getting beat down. Before you know it, this dark cloud comes over us and we, we start feeling like we don't even know God. What am I even doing? Start getting disconnected. Start straying away. The fact of the matter is, Peter's knowledge of Jesus increased because he failed. 
Peter's knowledge of Jesus increased when he failed. When he messed up, when he dropped the ball, when he screwed up, started acting like an idiot. When he, when he went in the water, it says, he said, Lord, save me. See, God, there's, there's this wrestling match going on between us. It's, it's our flesh and our spirit. And our spirit is hungry for God, but our flesh is weak. Our spirit wants to be totally intact with God, but our flesh is weak. And so because God cares about expressing himself through us and glorifying himself through us, what he does is he gives us freedom. He gives us room to make mistakes. So that when we make a mistake, we get to the... If you didn't make a mistake, you would never know that you're human. Paul called it a thorn in the flesh to remind him. It was, it was, it was, a, it was Satan buffeting him to beat him up and to remind him and to, and to keep it constantly before him that you're not God. And if Peter would have been able to walk on that water without looking at Jesus, he would have became puffed up. He would, have, he would have got it mixed up. Truly, I am the Son of God, is what he would have said. But no, he said, Jesus, save me. Listen, if you're at a place in your life this morning where you're saying, Jesus, save me, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's because, it's because you got a father that loves you, and he's not giving up on you, and he's long-suffering, and his hand is extended towards you, and he's there. And even though you feel like you're drowning, and even though you feel like you're falling apart, he's right there, and he's waiting for you to say, Jesus, save me. And when Jesus saves you, I promise you that you're going to walk away with a deeper and more intimate knowledge of who he is. You're going to walk away with a confidence, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is my God just like these same guys that were on this boat same guys that were on this boat a couple years later after Jesus left and the Holy Ghost was poured out on the on the body of believers they began to move in signs and wonders and miracles the court came before them and said hey guys y'all gotta shut up no more Jesus they said well I can just imagine them (laughs) Remember when he when when Peter remember when Peter almost drowned and he I mean he is Jesus we have to They knew They had confidence because they knew Listen to me experience speaks louder than anything else in the world I can tell you it's raining outside and you never believe me you go outside and you'll never forget Experience speaks louder than anything. And so Jesus brought them to this place so that their, their, their knowledge of Him could be expanded through trials, through crisis. Sometimes the only thing we'll listen to is our emotions. Sometimes that's the only thing we'll listen to. If I don't feel it, then it's not real. If I, don't, if I don't have some type of emotional stirring, then I don't, have, I don't need to subscribe to it. I don't need to adhere to it. I don't need to listen to it. I've got I've to get emotionally involved in it. Emotions are indicators. They speak to us. They tell us things. And so when we're walking with God, 
and we're following Jesus, sometimes he allows things to happen in our life so that it can stir up an emotional response so he can get our attention. Because if he speaks to you in a still, small voice, you ain't going to listen. You got too many other voices. But if he lets you slip a little bit, get some, get some emotional stirring going on, you'll wake up. You'll say, oh, my God, I need Jesus. Help me, Lord. I'm drowning. Save me. And it's on the other side of that that our knowledge of him begins to grow. Come on up. That's when our knowledge of him begins to grow. And so falling and getting into the, the place that we find ourselves in is not a bad thing. We just got to remember. This is the message right here. Y'all stand. I ask the worship team to come. We're going to have a time of ministry this morning because I believe that this is a word from the Lord. And I don't believe we receive a word from the Lord and do not move on it. I believe that we act on a word from the Lord. The message this morning is dance with the one that brought you. It was him who called you. It was him who saved you. And it's him who keeps you. It's him who watches over his word to perform it. He's faithful when we're faithless. And when we find ourselves drowning, we find ourselves in over our head, we can reach out to him. And he'll save us and our knowledge of him will increase. And so this morning I'm convinced that the devil has been bringing accusations against the people of God. I'm convinced this morning that the devil has been bringing accusations against the people of God. He's been tormenting, tempting, pestering. And so this morning I want to ask you, is God speaking to you? Is God speaking to you this morning? Did God give me this message for you this morning? All across the room, every head bowed and every eye closed. We don't want to move forward without encountering Jesus this morning. Lord, we want to remember that you're the one that keeps us. We want to be so focused on you, nothing else can get in. So if the Lord's speaking to you this morning, I want you to come to the front. Come to the front and just kneel at the altar and begin to do business with God. Just have this moment right quick. Just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you this morning. God is faithful. He established His church so that hurting people could have a place to go and get help. His presence is here this morning. If you've, been, if you've been making this walk, doing this walk in the cares of this world, the concerns of this life have been pulling at you. You're in a good spot. Because the Lord's met you where you're at this morning. The Lord wants to move in your spirit right now. He wants to 
He wants to revitalize things in your spirit today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just begin to pray to the Lord this morning. The prayer team's going to come and pray with you, lay hands on you. Prayer warriors, if y'all could come and lay hands on the, those that are here, just as an act of support. But I want you to do business with God. I want you to say, Lord, I turn away from the cares of this world. Lord, I take my eyes off of the things that have distracted me. Lord, I take my eyes off the things that hold my attention. Lord, I repent for comparison this morning. Lord, I repent for being double-minded this morning. Lord, I want to be focused on you and you only, Jesus. Give me your grace this morning, Jesus. I need grace. I need grace. I need grace. Oh, Jesus, cry out to God. Cry out to God. Forget about what people think about you. Forget about composure. Cry out to God. Oh, Jesus, we need you this morning, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, move in this place today, God. Move in this place today, Jesus. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that those that are here today, God, Lord, that you would push back every force of the enemy that's trying to, that's trying to lie to him and trying to bring accusations today, God. Lord, we recognize today that we need help. We need you, Jesus. We need you to protect us against our enemy. We need you to protect us against the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Lord, protect us, Jesus. Protect us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you this morning, Jesus. You have my attention. You have my attention. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There is now, therefore, everybody say, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, when Peter got back in the boat, Peter got back in the boat, he was immediately, in good graces. Forgiveness was immediate. And so today, what the Lord has done here is immediate. So I want to challenge you this morning. If God has moved on your heart, if He's touched you, if you've received something from the Lord today, I want you to claim it. I want you to claim it. I want you to own it. I want you to make it yours. And I want you to talk about it. I want you to talk about it until people get tired of hearing you talk about it and ask you to stop. And when they do ask you to stop, tell them you want them to stop talking so you can talk. God is so good. Just the Lord keeps putting it in my spirit. You got to talk about it. The tongue is, a, is like a rudder of a ship. And it steers. A big old vessel is steered by a small thing. You leave out of here this morning and you don't steer your tongue to go in the direction of what God has done here today. Then you'll go through it again. You got to talk about it. Amen. You got to talk about it. Well, Jesus is so good. What a wonderful time we've had with the Lord this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Such a time of refreshing in your presence this morning. We just thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Well. Don't forget, food drive, register, volunteering, and tomorrow night, men's on one side, women on the other. We're having our monthly fellowship. God bless you. Go and be blessed. And I'll see you tomorrow.